Oh, how should we start this today? Live from a farmer's field north of Cheyenne in Wyoming. This is the Crispin Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Robbie Crispin. Topics on today's episode include mortgage banking income, originating FHA and VA loans, my interview with Gallus Insights, Augie Del Rio, on how mortgage companies are best leveraging data in a high-rate environment, and are borrowers used to higher rates? Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Gallus. Gallus is a business intelligence tool specializing in the mortgage industry. Gallus delivers hassle-free, at-your-fingertips insights, enabling you to make better and faster decisions for improved profitability. Gallus is built on top of the AWS and Snowflake cloud platforms, ensuring scalability, top performance, and security in handling big data. Gallus is also easy to use. If you can use Google, you can use Gallus. Use Gallus to transform your data into actionable insights to drive your business forward in this challenging environment. For more information and to schedule a demo, visit gallusinsights.co. Hey, I've got news for you. 2023 is half over and sometimes reality bites as vendors and lenders can't sit there wringing their hands waiting for things to get better on their own. Are lenders suddenly going to make huge margins on lots of volume in the second half? RLOs who were suddenly doing two to three loans a month in the first half suddenly going to do four to six? Are vendor reps suddenly going to double their clients? Are rates going to plummet? Is the number of houses for sale going to skyrocket? Doubtful to most of those things, so banks, credit unions, and depositories are certainly doing something. An analysis of call reports shows that mortgage banking income at banks and thrifts increased by 36% on a sequential basis. J.P. Morgan, Chase, and Wells Fargo individually more than doubled their mortgage banking income from the fourth quarter to the first. Others, like Truist and PNC, followed. That said, to the surprise of no one, mortgage banking income at banks and thrifts was down 38% from the first quarter of 2022. Traditionally, FHA and VA loans have a higher profit margin than other loan types. But originating them is not a walk in the park, and one typical question is whether a lender should pursue obtaining their Gini ticket or to become a Gini May approved issuer. Having the ability to take FHA, VA, and USDA loans and turn them into securities is a powerful tool for well-equipped secondary groups. Why? Well, first, it allows you to underwrite straight to AUS findings, manual underwrites and originating loans that are outside correspondent overlays, provide competitive pricing and service to underserved communities, as well as allowing for efficient execution into the capital markets. However, there are a few considerations that need to be understood because it's not for every originator. There are approximately 350 issuers spread across large and small depositories, credit unions, servicers, and independent mortgage bankers. The approval process, sometimes referred to sarcastically within capital market circles as the Ginny May Denial Department, can be long and challenging, and there are plenty of cases out there where relatively large originators with good balance sheets are rejected by Ginny May. I've witnessed firsthand the approval process a few times, and my best piece of advice is that all battles are won before they're ever fought. Successful applicants have a few things in common. Good financial standing, very competent secondary and accounting departments, plenty of operational redundancies, strong quality control oversight, and last but not least, updated and complete policies and procedures, which cover the entire origination cycle. For those interested in servicing, when you're approved to issue Ginny Mae bonds, you'll be servicing your loans, PWIT agreements aside, 
And this is why you should deliver to the GSEs and issue Ginyu May bonds in the first place. Originators should have a strategy with servicing and its intricate oversight, even if they're utilizing a subservicer. Historically, servicing Ginnie Mae loans, primarily FHA and VA, is costlier than its conforming cousin. A good subservicer can minimize this financial burden. In terms of keeping, maintaining, and tracking documents, if you're a Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac approved, you certainly know what a document custodian does. More times than not, when I hear complaints about a custodian, it has to do with a problem on Ginnie Mae loans, as they will be the ones who review your loan collateral and initially certifies your pools for trade. Most pools are traded after getting initial certification, although it's not a requisite. Ideally, a good custodian will perform a single document review that accommodates all requirements at once. This eliminates exception surprises at the time of sale due to different requirements delaying settlement. Choosing your custodian wisely can save headaches down the road, headaches which normally cause delays in settlements, resulting in an erosion of gain on sale. In the capital markets, broker-dealers come into play. Outside secondary marketing, broker-dealers are normally given very little thought by originators. If you're hedging a pipeline for mandatory execution, broker-dealers are the ones your secondary group trades forward TBA contracts with. That offsets interest rate exposure from the time the loan is locked until the time the loan funds and gets committed. But for issuers, broker-dealers play an important role in the execution of Ginny May pools as they are the ones who are buying them from the issuer. A good relationship with your broker-dealer goes further than just execution. They can also help with pool formation and optimization. Without going down the rabbit hole on coupons versus note rates versus high balance de minimis requirements further, broker-dealers can help you build out pools that can increase the spread that is willing to be paid above and sometimes below what TBAs are trading at, what you hear as the spec pool payout. Lenders must pay attention to operations within the originator. A strong secondary marketing team is imperative. Having a good secondary manager who understands the entire process, what can be pooled, when it can be pooled, when to create a pool in GinnyNet, and purview into the whole mortgage pipeline, not just funded loans, helps in the dozens of moving parts in the process. A strong CFO slash accounting department who understands the financial risk of issuing Ginny May securities pays dividends. Some may not know, but part of the financial risk in issuing has to do with covering P&I shortages every month. Ginny May doesn't buy loans directly like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac do. They act primarily as an insurance company, guaranteeing that bondholders receive timely payments of cash flow. And for the service, Ginny May charges six basis points on every loan, referred to as their guarantee fee or G fee. When borrowers are late with payments or missed payments, it's the responsibility of the issuer to make up for the missed principal and interest payment to the holder of that security. This can be a huge outflow of cash per month, considering your responsibility is to every bond that has ever been issued by the originator. Anyone issuing Ginny May securities back in early 2020 when COVID hit and the term forbearance went mainstream remembers that moment. Possessing the capital to weather P&I shortages is an absolute must. Most often overlooked is your trailing slash final docs department. Your last responsibility as an issuer is to make sure that trailing docs, the final title slash deed or mortgage, get to your custodian for final certification. This needs to be done within 365 days of issuance. It may not be a huge problem for some, but states like Hawaii come to mind where turn times of county recorders are historically slow and getting a certified copy of anything takes months. 
Everything I just discussed is scrutinized by Ginny May during the approval process, and as mentioned before, possessing the right individuals, having strong relationships with vendors, and possessing very strong operational controls should be viewed as a requirement before submitting your application. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Gallus Insights' Augie Del Rio to talk about how mortgage companies are best leveraging data in a high-rate environment. Augie Del Rio is co-founder and CEO of Gallus Insights, and previously he was an investment banking vice president at Goldman Sachs in New York, where he advised financial services companies on M&A and capital structure optimization. After five years on Wall Street, he joined Caliber Home Loans as head of finance, where he led the company's financial and strategic planning initiatives. Augie began his career at PwC and served as a consumer banking deputy director for HSBC's Latin American region. Hola. Hola, ¿qué pasa? How are you, man? Buenos dias, El Salvador. <laughs> so the first question I want to ask you is, how can mortgage companies better leverage data? I mean, data is a big topic right now, and I feel like it will set the winners apart from the losers. And when it comes to data, also, what is important for companies to be looking at? Uh, thank you, Robbie. Uh, great question. Look, I think... And you're asking about the how, right? So for me, the, the how is you have to make sure that data is accessible, that data is manageable, that data is computable, and that data is shareable, right? Now, those are a lot of obbles that I just threw your way, you know, but I think it, it, it's, it's a big challenge for a lot of companies to actually access their information and be able to turn that information into actionable insights to put simply like make more money. And mortgage companies create data every single second, every single day, right? There's data on loan production from your LOS. There's there's financials, there's HR data, there's capital markets data, there's marketing data, right? And most of that, actually all that information sits in silos in different buckets. So the how is you have to bring that information into a consolidated environment so you can use that information and turn it into knowledge so you can turn that knowledge into better outcomes. Uh, I think that to me is the first step. And um, if I recall your original question correctly, the second is that, well, what can they be using that data for, right? It, it was what what data is important for them to be looking at? Mortgage is a complicated business, right? And I think you should be all over your production data, but you should also be all over your financials, your HR data, your marketing data. And what I can tell you, Ravi, is that what you don't measure, you don't improve. And so right now in this very, very challenging environment, I think mortgage lenders should be all over, for example, obsessing, deeply understanding what's happening to pull-through rates deeply understanding what's happening to their price concessions, deeply understanding what's happening to their cash position and cash projections. I'm going to steal a quote from, from your dad, you know, from your father is like, he said that the skills, the managerial skills that are required to run a mortgage company in 2023 are materially different than the managerial skills you need to run a company in 2020 and 21. A few a year, years ago, when we had that refi boom, it was all about production, 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 and we were drinking from a fire hose, and literally, like money was you know, like flowing from like coming from the trees. You know, it was like there was no shortage of 
of just wealth creation and helping uh, customers uh, get lower rates. In this environment, we're we're seeing you know a dramatic drop in, in volume. We're seeing uh, margin compression relative to 2020 and 21. And so I think the key word here is discipline, but is intelligent discipline. And to get to intelligent discipline, you have to have that knowledge, right? Um, and what I'm seeing with a lot of my clients, uh, Ravi, is that there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. You're seeing differences in pull-through rates on, by, across branches, across loan officers. You're seeing sometimes excessive price concessions, right? And so I think in, in, in this situation where we find ourselves with rates now back to 7%, you know, to seven handles is that, you know, every dollar is precious, every loan matters. And the notion that you can be okay with a 70, 75% lock to funding uh, pull through rate, I take issue with that. You know, the notion that you can be a little bit loose on your price exceptions, I take issue with that. And lastly, the notion that you can just not have cash projections um, and ensure that you have a good liquidity cushion. I, I take issue with that. And the market has taken issue with that. I won't name the, the names out of respect for the departed, but a lot of companies have fallen victims of poor liquidity management. So once you've aggregated and consolidated data, can you explain the benefits of using advanced data analytics? What, take, like, take us through the process and, and the ultimate outcomes and benefits for companies. Look, the benefits are, are very simple. Like it, it's it really results in a better PL. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit on just improving your revenue margins. There's a lot of uh, low-hanging fruit. You can use data to improve your revenue margins by having a lot more discipline around price concessions. There's a lot of uh, practical uses on improving your pull through rates by understanding why you have that fallout, who is incurring that fallout the most and fixing the root causes of that fallout because it's not just all exogenous factors that are influencing that fallout across uh, your staff. They're definitely better performers and they're worse performers. Um, there's a lot of information you can use to improve your cycle times. And if you think about it, your cycle times, your hedging expense, and the nature of mortgage is that it's all interrelated, right? If you improve your cycle times, you reduce your hedging expense because you have less time that you need to hedge your, your loans, uh, or you, you don't have to do lock extensions, uh, you have a better customer experience, you have a better pull-through rates because folks are not leaving you to a competitor, um, you protect your brand. And so to me, basically, like in a very, very succinct way, the way that I would frame it is, Take your data, turn it into knowledge, take the knowledge, simply add more revenue, decrease your expenses, um, and, and revenue goes both volume and, and revenue margin. And, and expense is about also eliminating waste. And the core is making sure that you're measuring all those key attributes of your business. Uh, that interestingly enough, a lot of uh, mortgage managers find it very difficult to do because the data is in disparate uh, locations. You say the data is in disparate locations. Is this something that's better done in-house or outsourced? I think it really depends on your on the size of your platform, uh, how big or small you are as a lender. Uh, if you're a small lender, uh, 
you're unlikely to have the budgets that are required to have an end-to-end solution in taking that data into outcomes, into knowledge and, and, and better decisions. Um, because if you if you sort of put the equation, uh, the cost function in front of you, uh, Robbie, what do you need to do to, to take to go from data to knowledge and to outcomes, right? You need data architects, data engineers, you need to choose the right technology. By that, I mean cloud, data warehouse. You need to choose the right BI tools, the right data science tools. You have to hire people that can implement those tools. You have to manage those individuals. You have to retain them. You have to uh, do a lot of data integrations and implementations. And so small firms don't have the budgets to do all that work that is required of them. Uh, and so if you're a small lender, for sure, you you have to outsource. You cannot do it on your own. Uh, this is not about hiring someone that has Tableau knowledge. Tableau is an open canvas on its own. It's not very, um, Tableau or any BI tool, by the way, it, not, not very uh, useful for that. You need to do the data integration. And if you're a large lender, I think it's a hybrid approach because there are things that an outsource party can do a lot more efficiently than, can, than you can do in your own, right? And so if you already have a an enterprise analytics team, as a larger lender, what I would recommend would be use those individuals for really ad hoc analytics that can be very, very specific to your business needs and leverage outsource lenders that are doing other analytical functions like you know corporate finance analytics, financial modeling, um, maybe something around price exception modeling, all that stuff. That can, that, that's all they do for a living. Uh, and it's very likely that someone that just focuses on one task uh, for a living is going to be better than you know, someone that d- does it as a nuance, right? Because uh, a mortgage bank, by definition, they're not data scientists by trade. Like they're just, you know, that they're at mortgage advisors. And so I think uh, the outsource route to me is something that, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense. In the same way that a lot of lenders outsource their LOS, there's no reason why you shouldn't outsource your analytics. A lot of lenders outsource to you. And so I want to ask you this year in 2023, what have you seen from your clients data? What are the trends? Anything noticeable that you think is worth sharing with the audience today? Yeah, look, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I think uh, this quarter is looking better than the prior quarter on a quarter to day to quarter to day sort of time frame. I have like I'm cautiously optimistic because I feel like every in mortgage every day is a different world. <laughs> but when we keep, when we just compare the numbers on a quarter to date basis to quarter to date, numbers are improving overall. Revenue margins are improving overall. I think the the big uh, sort of um, big problem uh, that everyone knows is that firms are still mostly losing money. Uh, expenses are um, still a um, at unsustainable levels, there's still a lot of excess capacity. And so I think, um, you know, we are definitely in a better environment than we were in the fourth quarter of last year. I think this quarter is looking better than it was looked in, in the first quarter of this year, but there's still a lot of challenges ahead. And namely, the, there's excess capacity, there's significant cost per loan. Um, and right now we're we're going to have to see a lot more cost optimization to get out of this crisis that we'll find ourselves in mortgage. So before I let you go, I want to ask about Gallus Insights. And 
Can you talk about what you're working on over there? And also the ROI you provide for clients uh, or, you know, for, for people potentially thinking about working with you, what are the benefits? Yeah, no, Gallus Insights uh, is an end-to-end analytics platform focused exclusively on the mortgage industry. We work with lenders and servicers. Um, we, When I say end-to-end, Robbie, uh, we basically take care of the whole uh, heavy lifting, you know, from bringing the data, storing it, managing, computing it. Uh, we have a hosted environment that is powered by AWS and Snowflake, but we can also work with a, uh, the client's own environment that they may have. Um, and 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 the whole notion is that our mission is to improve the economics of the mortgage industry and the customer service by fully leveraging the power of data through our technology and subject matter expertise. And so if you use Gallus, you're going to have mortgage metrics at your fingertips. You're going to you're going to have a deep understanding of what is happening to your business and you will be able to predict with authority what is likely to happen so you can navigate through this storm, this mortgage storm that we're finding ourselves successfully. The whole idea now is be smart, be agile, and you need data for that. I couldn't agree more. Augie, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Robbie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Many mortgage rates are firmly in the 7% range now, and certainly 6 and 6.5% pass-through mortgage securities are the norm for hedging. We might just be here for the remainder of 2023. The solid economic news certainly doesn't point to lower rates at any time soon. Monday was a quiet day for those in the mortgage industry, with a few locks, many people out of the office, and an early close ahead of the Independence Day holiday. Markets shook off warnings about cooling growth and a slowdown in manufacturing, likely because the highlight of the week will be Friday's fresh look at the labor market, with June non-farm payroll data following May's big upward payroll surprise. U.S. IHS market manufacturing PMI remained in contractionary territory for the eighth consecutive month in the final reading for June, while the ISM manufacturing index fell further into contractionary territory. The manufacturing sector continues to operate in a state of contraction as optimism about the second half of 2023 weakens amid recession concerns. Some would argue that investors are still too optimistic about the prospects for economic growth and the ability of the Fed to stamp out inflation. There was a better-than-expected construction spending report for May in that plus 0.9% month-over-month, with year-over-year total construction spending up 2.4%, due to renewed strength in single-family construction despite a jump in mortgage rates. Economic data over the last week continued to show a resilient U.S. economy. With the final estimate of first-quarter GDP unexpectedly revised higher from 1.3% to 2%, as additional data on consumer expenditures contributed to the increase. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Index at 4.1% remained well above the Fed's target. Home price data from Case-Shiller indexes showed increasing prices in April, while building permits increased 5.6% to an annualized rate of 1.496 million units in May. The lack of existing homes for sale has led to price increases on the limited available for sale inventory, as well as an increase in new construction. Consumer confidence reached its highest level since January 2022 due to a strong labor market and receding fears of recession. That marked the highest level in 17 months amid a brighter take on the current situation and a less dire assessment of the future. Markets returned to a relatively quiet calendar today, though there is some potential market-moving potential from the release of the minutes from the June 13th and 14th FOMC meeting. 
Also on the docket are Redbook same-store sales, May factory orders, and remarks from New York Fed President Williams. We begin Wednesday with agency MBS prices, a little change from Monday, and the 10-year yielding 3.86 after closing Monday at 3.86%. The two years up to 4.91%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Camping. Where you smet... <laughs> Where you spend a small fortune to live like a homeless person. Is that a joke? No. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Gallus, the premier business intelligence tool for the mortgage industry. With hassle-free insights and user-friendly functionality, Gallus empowers you to make faster and data-driven decisions for enhanced profitability. Experience the ease of Gallus today. If you can use Google, you can use Gallus. Unlock the power of your data and propel your business forward by visiting gallusinsights.co. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcasts from.